their listeners. Welcome to episode 205 of Never on the Backfoot podcast. England are 2-0 down in the Ashes series against Australia. If the Ben Stokes led outfit suffers another defeat in the series, they will become the first English team in more than 20 years to lose a home Ashes series. Australia survived an astonishing century from Ben Stokes, ignited by the controversial stumping of Johnny Bairstow, to take a 43-run victory at Lords and hold a 2-0 lead advantage in the Ashes. What was a hard-fought but reasonably sedate final day erupted into controversy and raw emotion when Bairstow wandered out of his crease before over had been called, having avoided a bouncer from Cameron Green in the 52nd over with Alex Carey then throwing it down the stumps. Australia appealed and the third umpire upheld the decision with Bairstow well out of his ground. In this episode, we will talk about everything that transpired in that test match and we have a very interesting discussion lined up. On the podcast today, to discuss that thriller of a test match, we have Dhanush Lavanya. He is a professional, sports analyst and commentator currently associated with Sports Interactive in Mumbai. With over a year of experience in the field of cricket, he has successfully covered prominent events such as the T20 World Cup, Border Gavaskar Trophy and the IPL 2023 for Star Sports. Known for his expertise and insightful analysis, Dhanush Lavanya has established himself as a reputable figure in the world of the sports commentary. Without further ado, let's get started. Hi Dhanush, welcome to Never on the Backfoot podcast. First things first, how are you doing today? Hello Neha and I'm really happy and um, contented to join today because I have been following your podcast and uh, I've been uh, seeing your uh, regular uploads and discussions. So I was like someday I might get a message from her and I was just thinking what is that actual moment? and i'm glad that you uh, you thought of uh, remembering me and gave me this uh, platform and an opportunity to talk about the ashes match and as far as how my day is going well uh, being a professional commentator it is nice to have an off day mm-hmm. and uh, that was uh, something that i had today where i can, i could rest my voice i could do other stuff that i wanted to do mm-hmm. just was working on some articles and some other contents that i provide by myself on my uh, on my uh, instagram page and my linkedin page mm-hmm. so worked on those stuffs and uh, well yes now i am here having this conversation about the ashes test match and so much has gone through and i am happy to share my thoughts and also i would like to get your thoughts as well on what you felt and how it was so let us have a good conversation absolutely i mean uh, even any aussie fan would be as happy as us right having this conversation because australia seems to be ticking a lot of boxes you know that amazing performance this ashes i mean come on you're leading a series 2-0 in uh, england so what do you think has been working out so well for australia well uh, australia the very important thing that they have managed to do is that they haven't given up their usual way of playing cricket mm-hmm. they haven't given up their uh, normal standards of playing test match cricket because before the start of the series the hype was how the australians are going to play this baseball approach will they try to you know uh, mirror what england are trying to do uh, so that they will battle against the conditions that they will be playing and to support that thing the very first ball of the ashes series was a front foot uh, square cut that was played by Zach Crawley to Pat Cummins and that was uh, a very aggressive way the England told that we are going to play a different ashes altogether hmm. but still uh, Australia being Australia one of the tough skin people out there in the game of cricket they held to their basics and they played the test cricket that they know to play and didn't try to mimic anyone else hmm. and uh, try to uh, you know they didn't make the situation burden on themselves pressurize themselves and that is the reason i feel that uh, at the end of two test matches we are seeing them 2-0 because they are not trying out too many stuffs they are playing all together as a team they are independent on one specific player to perform and they have people to do their specific roles and it is nice that everyone have have chipped in and done their duties and that is the reason 
I feel that they are 2-0 at the end of first two test matches. Absolutely. It was a team effort that really culminated into such a special victory. You know, going up 2-0 is a very big psychological advantage heading into the uh, third test as well. And in the later in the episode too, we will uh, talk about some combinations and some changes that we will probably see there. But coming back to this test match, now England won the toss. They decided to bowl first. Do you think this was a good decision to kickstart proceedings? Well, I guess Lords is usually seen as a more pacer-friendly wicket where first innings usually doesn't be won't be such helpful for the batters because it was it was it will be more like uh, a pacer-friendly wicket. And history has shown that uh, the first inning scores are somewhere around two fifty to three hundred, three fifteen, or uh, maximum it will go to three fifty. Very rarely, I uh, if I'm uh, honest, I've seen first inning scores in uh, Lords cricket ground going past 400, which Australia managed to do so. And that was mm-hmm. a big, big win there itself for them in uh, in the first two days of play. And with the way England uh, are playing their game when it comes to the basketball approach of going attacking cricket and making sure that the opposition doesn't uh, uh, put pressure on you, uh, they back themselves to score 300 uh, in one day. Maybe mm-hmm. in two sessions, they back themselves to score 300, 300 plus runs. So that is the reason I felt that since the conditions and the history says that uh, the Lord's wicket is more helpful for the Pacers. And since they had four Pacers in their lineup, I felt they wanted to take the best uh, conditions out there where the wicket is fresh. The ball will uh, try, the ball will swing for the first uh, session and a half mm-hmm. and try to uh, completely you know, break down the Australian batting lineup. And uh, make the best use of it is what their perception might be. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that didn't go into their plan is what uh, we can say after the in the retrospective terms. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I didn't feel it was any mistake in uh, England's part to uh, field after winning the toss. Absolutely. And it's a great point that you bring, you know, that England did have a lot of uh, strategies and the mindset, you know, try to dismiss Australia for less and, you know, just, uh, you know, game on since uh, day one. But now Australia batted first, obviously, this put up a very competitive 416 on the board, which obviously is, uh, again, a very big psychological advantage, right, to start the match. So do you think this was the perfect first inning start and we were already sensing an Aussie victory? I won't go that far saying sensing an Aussie victory, but I will say that uh, the game was in Australia's hands and Australia were having that lead in their side mm-hmm. until and unless they give up, uh, you know, uh, allow England English batters to completely uh, outbat them in the when they came out uh, to bat. And that was, uh, in a way, pretty evident because they were 188 for one. And I pretty it pretty much felt like the English uh, players are going to take this uh, um, innings away and they will somewhat score mm-hmm. like 500, 550, get that 100, 150, 1, uh, 160, 200 runs lead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, get that uh, big uh, lead and put the Australian side in the in pressure. But it did not happen because, uh, you know, the moment the day three started, if I am right, they lost seven wickets in a span of uh, 40, 45 runs. Hmm. And that is where the whole innings completely, the game completely turned on England's uh, head. And Australia after that were sure shot favourites. And also one more thing I want to say is that uh, the moment you ask me uh, what Australia is uh, when it comes to playing in these, uh, uh, when, uh, when it comes to uh, first innings totals, I said it in the earlier question that uh, 400 plus, you're already uh, a game ahead. You're already having that psychological advantage because mm-hmm. irrespective of which condition you play, which country you play, I feel that the moment your team scores 400 plus, you have a safe score on the board already. Absolutely. And I think what really worked well for Australia is even though, you know, their openers got starts, couldn't quite convert, you still had Steve Smith, you know, who was looking at his fluent vest with that amazing 110, a special century at Lords. And you had Travis Head, you know, scoring 77. It was a very impressive uh, partnership out there in the middle. So what are your thoughts on that uh, partnership and how much it augured well for Australia? I still remember sitting with my colleagues in the office and we were also discussing about this uh, specific innings altogether, especially that day. I guess it was the start of day two 
and seeing the scorecard it was just a reflection of what the wtc finals uh, day one scorecard was mm-hmm. because if you see the australia's first innings from the wtc final against india and this test match against uh, england it is so identical they uh, lose their first wicket there uh, they lost the first wicket of kawaja a bit early then uh, they had a good first session and the start of second session they two they lose two wickets uh, early and then you see a big partnership between uh, head and uh, steve smith which was around 285 runs and that completely took team, team india away uh, in that test match in similar fashion here also you saw the top 3 wickets going out early and then you saw travis head steve smith put up a big partnership out there and score some really big runs and you know the way the mindset these australian players have everyone is given a specific role and they do that to utmost perfection yeah. you know david warner is more like a player who gives that initial uh, aggressive start gives that aggressive push usman kawaja and manas labushain are more over the people who make sure that the run scoring is there but also you stay on one end and hold on to your wicket mm-hmm. and then comes uh, steve smith who is a different player altogether irrespective of conditions his way of playing test cricket is not can cannot be mirrored or cannot be replicated by anyone mm-hmm. and he can adapt to any conditions uh, and score quickly as well and that is what steve smith did and travis head uh, travis head's role is pretty much uh, what adam gilchrist used to do back in the day for australia mm-hmm. come la- later down in the innings after 60 overs when the bowlers are, when the bowlers of the opposition are a bit uh, you know they are a bit tired their legs aren't as fresh as it used to be mm-hmm. and then attack them and completely take them off the game and that is what travis head did he starts off with his aggressive intent scores at 100 plus run strike rate and uh, that was uh, a perfect template that they placed and they would be they would have been happy if they had managed to uh, get past uh, 45500 uh, but 416 was way more than enough is what uh, at the end of the day we can say right that does make sense and although you know uh, steve smith and travis head really uh, bail australia uh, through those tough waters now manas labushain was another player who got a start yet you know a good length ball around off got him right so what did you make of uh, that dismissal and through this ashes uh, also do you think that the english bowlers will always try to get the better of him through different tactics well manas labushain is a different player altogether he is uh, a player who who doesn't you know fall for the same trap over and over again uh, he is not a player where you can find a big uh, loophole and you can uh, ex- exploit it over and over again you have to find different ways to get him out and that is what australia also have try uh, england have tried to do when they are bowling against him but one thing that i also feel uh, really sad about is that this player uh, stays there does all the hard work because in test match cricket the hard work is that first 30 40 runs that you score and after that the moment you are uh, well set and all ready you can then go for the big uh, uh, big runs the moment uh, for manas labushain that i have seen in his career over the last 5 years the moment this player gets past 50 runs i have seen him uh, score big daddy hundreds mm-hmm. he is not like scores 50 gets out at 75 he, he the moment he completes 50 he makes sure that he scores 140 or 160 or 180 that is the kind of caliber that manas labushain has and if we have seen in this series where he has got out in that 40s range 40 to 45 40 to 50 range and that is uh, a bit frustrating for the player and also for us uh, statisticians analysts who sit and analyze his game because there is that one lack of uh, concentration or lapse of uh, concentration where it just uh, undoes all the hard work that he did for the whole uh 60 to 70 balls that he had faced right and you know talking about uh, most discussed players now one name that comes to mind is that of oli robinson right now a lot of criticism has been directed at him thanks to his antics in yes. the first test that drew the ire of a lot of experts as well but i think this test especially in the uh, first innings he returned with three wickets so how would you assess his performance and he certainly in the scheme of things right for england in spite of his uh, lowered pace thanks to that injury well uh, you know the moment uh, the first uh, the first test was happening i guess day 4 he gave that statement that you know australian player australian team has four uh, number 11 batters <laughs> and that was a 
that and that was a very foolish statement in a way i'll say mm-hmm. because uh, you are a boy in a man's world out there because you are playing against one of the best uh, test team the world test champions you are playing against and you have the audacity to go out and uh, give out this statement and they gave back in the in the best way possible because the run chase that we saw in the first test match it was the it was that hard work of the of the bottom four batters especially pat cummins and nathan lyon mm-hmm. that took them past the line that day and it was a perfect answer that they gave and now the before the second test match i was really waiting how oli robinson is going to punch back for that statement that the lower order had given but the day but the moment i saw him the first day especially the whole england attack i have to say their speeds were less and that was a big talking point because you have got your conditions out there the wicket is fresh the swing is available everything is there but you still are not bowling your 100% mm-hmm. and you are bowling 75 to 80 miles per uh, per hour which is around 120 to 135 clicks that is not expected from an english fast bowler and that is what not just oli robinson did it is what uh, even stuart broad and james anderson did mm-hmm. and that is uh, altogether a team uh, a bowling unit's failure and oli robinson he might have got three wickets he is always going to be in the scheme of things because he is that uh, new player in the current gen of england side where who has uh, tried to impress and make his place out there because every year i see english cricket always introduces new players into the mix especially fast bowlers i remember 2021 when india were about to play against uh, england side they introduced roly robinson he debuted uh, during that specific time yeah. and last year when uh, england india again play came back to play uh, india uh, england for that last test match in manchester mm. i saw matt potts come out there he was a completely new player altogether now mm. we are seeing josh tung in this seg- second test match who is a new player yes. so australia ha- england has this habit of giving new caps for new fast bowlers but it is equally challenging for those fast bowlers to keep that cap and be a part of the playing 11 now that with stuart broad and james anderson uh, mm-hmm. pretty much in their fag end of their careers and basically uh, running on their last gas i guess uh, now they are focusing on shaping up oli robinson as that next lead bowler and he is always going to be in that scheme of things because he easily replicates to me what josh hazelwood can does for the australian side who can mm-hmm. be the leader of the attack who can take wickets up front and bowl that discipline line and length it's just that that uh, this specific test match he could not come back and showcase where, showcase it well and uh, and definitely he will not he will definitely be there in the scheme of things and there is absolutely zero uh, issues when it comes to his place in the playing 11 right unless something really drastically happens and he's not able to uh... grab those wickets there's no way you know his uh, place is under question but uh, talking about another impressive player has to be that of josh dung right now since his uh, debut he's been amongst the wickets and he's uh, also managed to get these crucial breakthroughs as well now with jimmy anderson not chipping in as much do you think these are good signs for the bowling because england needs to build on a pace battery right so having players like this in your arsenal certainly boosts you up for good things right Yes, absolutely. It will boost you for good things. It is going to give you a lot of confidence with your pace attack that is out there in your county cricket. And uh, Josh Tung, the way he debuted against uh, Ireland and got a five four, yeah, uh, he definitely had put himself on the paper that I am out there and I will be there in the Ashes series. And I s- still remember after the first Test match, the talk was all about will we see a Rehan Ahmed. coming out because uh, there were they didn't have jack leach out there and they had brought this 18 year old spinner and everyone's focus was on that extra spinner that uh, uh, england might come in yeah. but they brought in this uh, completely different uh, fast bowler who was who didn't who was completely uh, opposite to what the other three pacers were if we ask on how james anderson oli robinson and stuart broad were not pushing up their speed limits beyond 135 Josh Tung from day one he was pushing up that limits to one forty one and he was bowling mm. that in consistent paces and that resulted in him getting the wickets of the openers out there and uh, definitely he has uh, come into good books now mm. and uh, that is why I am saying since uh, uh, Broad and uh, Anderson are not certain in your playing eleven because any day they can wake up and say my back is not right my I'm not able to f- uh, uh, get my uh, rhythm correctly or some health crisis may come in because of their age factor you have to have backups 
and with the players like uh, Josh Tung, Ollie Robinson, Matty Potts, they will definitely are in uh, good hands with the English cricket, and also they are shown their potential as well. Right, and earlier too you brought this point of how England has this knack of you know. Uh... Kind of getting these bowlers, giving them caps like early on in their careers, well based on their performances as a county, and it's great that they're building on uh, the space battery. But I think what is one of the most standout things, like in this first innings especially, is how Joe Root right now he was an absolute game changer with those uh, two consecutive wickets. So do you think that was a huge momentum shift, or was it just like you know uh, uh, a piece of entertainment that happened that day? Well, definitely, it's a big momentum shift is what he did, and he has a history of doing it. He is not just he's not small player when it comes to uh, his bowling. He has a fifer against India in Chennai, so definitely he can he is a good player, good bowler. He can take wickets. He's way more than a part time spinner. So that is one thing that I guess uh, teams must be aware of. And uh, you know these players have that capacity to take those big wickets. when those big players are uh, looking in good condition especially yeah. a player like travis head who is always in the mood of attack uh, he will always think of uh, joe root as uh, not a player to be much uh, wary about much worried about so the chances of him taking those risky shots is high and mm-hmm. in that situation uh, you will have better chances of getting the players wicket because he is not taking you seriously and in that fashion uh, tra- joe joe root made sure that he kept his nine and lens right he kept his uh, rhythm right variations on point and that resulted in him getting back to back wickets of green and uh, travis head out there and that pretty much you know brought england uh, back you know, back into the game and also that thing that i was saying if mm-hmm. uh, steve smith and head were st- stood for a bit more uh, i guess they could have gone for 450 500 and those two wickets uh, is a major reason why that 450 500 did not come up and mm-hmm. they had to end up in 416 right i mean cricket is a game of margins and a few runs would have definitely made things extremely difficult for england but let's look at england's first innings right now they had a great start with zack crawley and ben duckett england thankfully finding their right opening combo giving them a ideal start so how would you assess that start and them you know not being able to capitalize well i'm pretty uh, unhappy on that because i was seeing the english batting they were completely showcasing what baseball is all about and they were playing that brutal cricket that they are known for and uh, the moment i saw the score being 188 for one and then they lost the wicket of uh, uh, ollie pope at 188 i was like man they have already set themselves uh, in a very good way the foundation is very well laid out and they just need to capitalize on it and uh, go big but unfortunately that didn't happen and uh, apart from uh, harry brook everyone else in the english middle order or in the lower order mm. completely gave away and in a span of around 40 runs they lost all their wickets and especially in the start of day 3 that first session of day 3 was a game changer altogether because you are out there coming out to bat with just three wickets with just with seven wickets in hand and you are just around 140 runs 150 runs away from your uh, uh required uh, away from the lead it mm-hmm. is always expected with this current mindset of the english side that they attack score those runs in the f- first one one and a half sessions and play the, the day three completely put up a 100 120 run lead and then they can uh, ask the australian batters to come out to bat on day four and try to make a test out of the make try mm-hmm. to make try to make sure that they bowl them out and win this test match but that thing completely turned its head in the first session of day 3 and i was pretty unhappy by the way the the english batters uh, came in uh, in the in that session it was more like them gifting the wickets rather than australian bowlers taking with with merit exactly and this could have been an opportune time for even someone like an ollie pope right to get a start and uh, try to uh, take the game way further but he again couldn't you know make the most of it but do you still think he's that stable uh, number 3 th- candidate for england going ahead as well well i guess they have to back him they are backing him and they had joe root in that position for so long that the moment you uh, moved him to number 4 Uh, it you basically are feeling like uh, you need to bring in that player uh, and try to fit someone there and they have tried a bunch of players 
they tried daniel lawrence also in that position uh, mm. a, a year ago but uh, oli pope with the amount of backing that he has been given and with his with him consistently scoring runs you know if a player is given the opportunity and he doesn't score runs get out gets out for 15 20 runs then you can say you can you can bring the fact of uh, whether he is valuable for the position or whether he is not but if a player is scoring 40s 50s consistently and not able to get that big total you have to just push him and uh, allow him to uh, explore himself because there will be that one innings where he will get that three figures right and he will certainly uh, you know make a big score because we've seen him pile on runs in county cricket and be that stable uh, you know reckoning force in the batting order as well and another major positive has to be that of harry brook right now he has a major positive scoring of 50 so what did you make of uh, that knock and even the way he got out do you think it was just reckless well he is more like that aggressive cricketer so you can't say reckless for him because mm-hmm. you know he he pretty much for me resembles of what a rishabh pant is for indian cricket <laughs> someone who is completely a different textbook altogether and when this ashes test series started uh, i was looking on how harry brook is going to come up because the truckload of runs that he had put up behind him before this series uh, and the way he was batting in conditions were like in that overcast conditions in new zealand earlier in the year where he scored 100 in like 75 80 balls in an overcast green pitch i was like this player can play his natural cricket and get as many runs as possible and he will make the bowlers look like jokers out there hmm. and i was re- i was hoping on how he is going to come up whether he is going to follow a similar uh, attacking approach and didn't see that in the first two test matches uh, first test match but here in the second test match he got 50 runs definitely he would have hoped for uh, that uh, a bigger score but uh, i will say that uh, that is his natural game and if you if you get out on your natural game uh, then there is absolutely no reason for you to think about it but uh, you know these players uh, should play to their merit and that is the only way they can uh, uh, you know uh, live in this specific environment because if they try to change their game and try to be defensive or something else it is going to completely hamper their uh, whole you their natural game altogether and it is going to put their careers in jeopardy so i feel that uh, harry brook uh, getting out might look rest- uh, reckless uh, but i will say that uh, that is his natural game so it is ju- it just needs to be taken like how it is right i mean you know he was staying true to his character and he did uh, help england uh, greatly as well but i think due credit has to be given to the aussie bowling too right now mitchell stark has made a strong comeback considering the quiet uh, world test championship finals he had now he scalped like three wickets he was ably supported even by the likes of hazelwood <laughs> travis head also uh, picked up two wickets so how brilliant was that uh, aussie bowling to you know restrict the english batting and actually make the game all the more interesting well aussie bowling i will always say that this is uh, the best attack i will love i will always love to see an australian bowling unit out there you know uh, we being cricket fans uh, uh, me being a uh, cricket fanatic and following cricket for so much i have never fallen in love seeing a team bowling than the australian pacers because they, they know how to use their play- players perfectly they know how to do the workload management and remember mitchell stark missed out the first test match hmm. scott boland was the one who played in, instead of him and many people came out and said this guy doesn't come out and play franchise cricket he plays a lot of test cricket he stays true to his national team and his national team is making him uh, sit on the bench but it is not that it is more of workload management and australia is the best when it comes to uh, managing their players and in a series like ashes you need to make sure your fast bowlers are 100% in every test match that they play and the moment he was given that red cherry out here and the and the atmosphere was built lords cricket ground ashes test match english england is your opposition uh, he will come out at his best and try to make an impact and whatever happened in the wtc finals doesn't matter at all it is a whole new day for him and uh, with that uh, scenario being such a huge stage he will definitely be out there and try to showcase why he is considered as one of the world's best left-arm pacers and he did well uh, taking three wickets in the first innings and also making sure that uh, he led the pace attack of the australian side and that is what he he does best and he did best in that uh, test match 
absolutely now even when you look at australia second innings it was quite interesting i mean considering the first innings they had uh, there were expectations you know coming into the second innings that hey they might again post a big total but that's when i think the english attack really uh, came through but i think one of the standout feature for australia was usman khwaja but the rest of the batting was just crum- crumbling around him so what are your thoughts on all that transpired well according to me i would say that uh... Khawaja is a different animal altogether. When, <laughs> when one end you have your team, uh, your other players not getting their uh, starts out there, or even if they are getting their starts, they are in their twenties, thirties, and are getting out. Hmm. You have this player out here in Usman Khawaja. He is a different player altogether. He knows to play that kind of a role where, when everyone else is struggling, he is one out here uh, trying to hold on to that wicket. I would, I always say, uh, he. puts a hand handbrake in one end of the wicket and mm-hmm. stays there not moving at all and that is what he did here in the second innings and we can see that in the first test also where he scored a hundred where everyone else were walking on the other side this guy was out here scoring a hundred with ease and uh, england had to completely bring a different a uh, whole new field setting altogether in order to dismiss him where they had to uh, place uh, literally six fielders staring at him straight on his face and uh, try to intimidate him and that is how they managed to get the wicket of uh, usman kawaja in that first test match mm-hmm. so this is a tough bloke altogether and the way his previous two years has been uh, since that iconic sydney test match uh, in the previous ashes where he i guess it's in previous ashes itself where he came in they told him openly that you are just here for uh, filling up the position of an opener and you are going back uh, and you are not going to be selected after this specific test match and he answers back with uh, two big centuries in both the innings out there so he is that player who comes up and steps on when situation demands mm-hmm. and uh, we have seen that uh, across uh, the world when it comes to going to pakistan and playing there when it comes to coming to india and playing a bct series here Yeah, I guess he was the only Australian player to score a century in the Border Gavaskar series that happened mm. earlier in the year. So that shows that when situations are tough, Usman Kawaja is out here uh, uh, to make sure that he holds on to one end and make sure that the Australian side is not impacted too much. Even though the other side there might be a parade going on, and that is the reason why they ended up posting up two hundred and seventy out there in the second innings. and that pretty much gave the english side a very uh, tough chance out here when it comes to chasing the target off and uh, even though it was 350 in the 35370 ish but still uh, uh, but still it is going to be tough in the fourth innings to come up and chase 370 and the big big plus in the second innings was of usman kawada's innings and he once again proved why he is such a valuable player Absolutely. I mean, he's been such a beast, you know, ever since his comeback in that Ashes Test at SCG, and you know, scoring those consecutive uh, centuries as well. And I think what makes him such a special character is, in spite of all the criticism, the racism, and everything that is often directed at him, he still comes out uh, strong, and you know, really has uh, made a mark for himself, which I think no other uh, player can ever uh, stand up to, and even. Uh, even though you know wickets were falling you still had nathan lyon coming now he had an injury but he won the hearts right of all of us to come out in spite of injury to bat and just score those crucial runs so uh, what are your thoughts on you know his selfless act because there was again a lot of criticism that hey he's uh, you know this injury has a tendency to uh, become something worse he could have avoided it but then his commitment really stood out so what did you make of it well uh, these situations basically is left to the player on how he manages to uh, present himself yeah definitely no one would have backed and i if you know even then wouldn't have come out and uh, you know australia would have wrapped up with just nine wickets but still he came in and he made sure that uh, he made his presence felt because you know at the end of the day uh, a player who is injured unfortunately uh, you know especially when you are being uh, applauded for playing 100 test matches consecutively becoming the first player to do so in test cricket history playing 100 test matches mm-hmm. without missing one single match and in your 101st test match you are uh, getting injured like this 
seriously it is uh, going to absolutely put anyone's uh, you know in a way in a way we all the crowd the fans all together jinxed him i guess mm-hmm. and that is the reason that unfortunate injury happened uh, even though we might not see him for the remainder of the series but uh, him coming out and uh, playing out that just shows that uh, these sports athletes are the representation of uh, of uh, of you know coming out and showing mm-hmm. up even at the toughest situations and not never giving up is something that uh, we can uh, learn in the in a broader perspective if we watch because it, it is something we have seen repetitively uh, in the world in the world of cricket where players even with uh, injured wrists injured hand i remember graham smith coming out to bat when at number 9 and mm-hmm. number 11 when uh, when his right hand was completely injured he was completely banded up but still he came out and played with one hand and managed to uh, stay there and here nathan lyon managed to hit a boundary as well so that mm-hmm. basically shows the commitment these players have and uh, and they know how to carry themselves in these injury situations as well mm-hmm. so they would uh, have that thing in their mind as well and we just have to say kudos and applause for nathan lyon for the bravery that he showed absolutely and i think he's you know the goat for a reason right because irrespective of his uh, bowling performance you know still coming out to bat with injury really speaks uh, volumes of him and i think another thing that you know really worked well for england was the fact that stuart broad again showed that irrespective of age or anything he's still going to be a standout performer now with four wickets he was obviously fascinating you also had uh, ollie robinson and josh tung uh, chipping in so what did you make of uh, that bowling performance a much improved run perhaps yeah absolutely the way the first uh, innings was uh, for the australia for the english bowling attack definitely that was uh, the second innings was way way and far far better than that because the line and lengths were good and they got that one thing of bowling short ball and short ball and short ball to the australian bowler uh, for the australian batters and uh, you know when sometimes things are not working your way you just need to find that one thing which might give you results and just back on that and that is what they did every bowler mm-hmm. was coming in banking in short um trying to make sure they uh, they don't make the australian batters comfortable and they got the result in the end where they were just uh, they were ma- they were managing to take wickets in regular intervals and not allowing a big partnership to grow there and uh, definitely uh, stuart broad or josh tung uh, the whole bowling unit all together for the english side i have to say they just uh, came back well and punched uh, to the level that they are, that they are expected to do right that's a good point but uh, talking about a concern has to be that of jimmy anderson right now he has been clearly struggling the first test didn't go his way and there were a lot of expectations coming into the lords test but he just couldn't quite uh, bring in those old performances so do you think this is the last of him and now even news has come in that he's been dropped for the next test so uh, what are the signs looking like well definitely a 42 year old player playing test cricket is very rare we see Mm-hmm. and with uh, the caliber the stature the legacy of what james anderson is uh, it is uh, definitely going to be a tough decision out there uh, it is not just because he has had a couple of bad test matches and that is the reason they are dropping him it is not the consistency that they are expecting the, the, every board expects something uh, from their players especially a player like james anderson who has given a lot of reservations at first place mm-hmm. he doesn't go out and play in overseas tours like uh, like other players he is always made sure that the moment england are playing in their english summer he is given the maximum amount of chances as possible and having so many uh, reservations he doesn't play limited overs cricket the post 2015 world cup we haven't seen him at all mm-hmm. and he's largely been a test match bowler especially an english summer test match bowler where he is utilized to his 100% potential when this uh, when this english summer comes every year mm-hmm. and this time when the english summer is out here and when the opportunity has been given and he has not able to do it and that has also been the case in the previous years as well it is not that consistency we are seeing from james anderson here and there we can see that old jimmy anderson showing up but uh, you can't live in nostalgia forever mm-hmm. and you need to move on and that is the reason why now they have dropped him from the third test match and they will try to uh, find out other ways try out different uh, plans all together to come back because at the moment the england team 
is basically uh, pushed back onto the wall and the only way forward is to uh, the only way uh, is to move forward and uh, it mm. is a very very uh, you know uh, risky situation now to continue with uh, Jimmy Anderson who is not given you the confidence over the last uh, couple of years and who is not consistently performing uh, it is better to look into other players rather than push someone who has uh, already seen his heydays Fair enough, and considering he's still in the system and is someone who can uh, bring in those performances, I think experimenting with other players will certainly uh, keep England in good stead, and I think that is something they are looking forward uh, to doing as well. But uh, now let's focus on England's, uh, you know, chase. Now the task was cut out for them. Chasing three seventy one looked pretty uh, simple, but uh, they looked in trouble throughout, right? When you look at that innings uh, as a whole, to to just put it in perspective, how would you like to walk us through that batting performance? I'd still call it reckless batting in some measure, but uh, how do you see it? Well, they they know only one way to play now. You know, and the basketball <laughs> theory is in such a way that uh, it it just comes out uh, way leftish and it is something way against what Test match cricket all altogether stands. Yeah. And the moment uh, this run chase is out here, uh, it is not just uh, out there. The team is not just out there to chase off the target, but also to make a statement mm-hmm. because they were uh, hampered like anything in the first in the first Test match because. They had the whole test match in their hands, and they just gifted it away to Pat Cummins in the uh, in the fifth day out there, yeah, allowing them to chase like 171 that was required in the last day. And the two in in just two sessions, with the first session completely getting washed out, you allowed your opposition to score 117 in the final two sessions of the test match. So definitely, it was way more than just uh, you know uh, playing for uh, uh, just chasing the target. There has been history of English uh, England team chasing this target of last year's Manchester my Birmingham Test match is the best example, where uh, India gave away 378 and Johnny Bairstow was in a different mood altogether, mm-hmm. and he smashed Indian bowlers like anything. And that specific uh, innings only comes to my mind. And when I saw this target, also I thought that is the approach that they will take. But uh, some of the places they tried to go aggressive, and that is what backfired them. And they lost their first four wickets within a span of like what 45, 50 runs, and uh, that gives you a complete. Uh, you are already put in the backseat altogether. And I'm glad that uh, once again Johnny, uh, you know Ben Ben uh, Ben Stokes, mm-hmm. uh, stood there and uh, did his job along with Ben Duckett out there. Even though there were a couple of uh, really controversial uh, situations where, you know. Uh, the, the player uh, where Mitchell Stark took a catch and it was called not and it was called not out because uh, the umpires felt that he brushed the ball after completion after completing the catch and a lot of controversies happened still they managed uh, still they, it was nice that they tried to build a partnership and take the score till 177 and after that the fall of wickets again happened allowing uh, keeping just uh, Ben Stokes and one and 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 telling him to do the heroics that he has done for three four times so far in his career. Yeah. So, in a way, I will say that uh, the basketball theory is in such a way that uh, it will sound like reckless. And when you have for these kind of results where you lose two test matches back to back, the people will question whether uh, your play your the way you are playing is right. Uh, but still, I will say that they have followed this thing for a couple of years now. And now, just because their two test matches didn't go by their way, that doesn't mean that you completely have to change your approach altogether. And I will, I will not be surprised if they continue to same this play the similar way at Leeds also in the next test match. Right, and I'm so glad that you actually brought the point of Ben Stokes, right? Because he really stood out with that remarkable uh, performance. He single-handedly almost bailed England out of trouble with that 155, a knock that. Deserves an episode in itself, but what are your thoughts on that performance? And did you really think that you know England could uh, pull off a victory from the literal jaws of defeat, which they certainly underwent? Yes, absolutely. Uh, at least on the other side, when the first Test match was happening in the Australian side, there was vic- there was no way victory was coming in the Australian side because they were losing wicket consistently, and there wasn't like a set batter out there standing in and scoring. Usman Kawaja did his job for a certain period of time and then he got out as well for 77. 
but uh, there it was the lower order fighters and Pat Cummins, the captain especially, who did that duty for them. But here, the moment you see Ben Stokes and the history that he has, like the World Cup final, the T20 World Cup final last year, the Headingley Test match uh, in 2019 Ashes, he has a reputation of coming up, showing up at the most important situations of England cricket. And that is once once again, we saw that here in the Lord's Cricket Ground. And... Uh, and that that is uh, pretty much uh, base uh, at the end of the day when we look into what Ben Stokes mm-hmm. is all about he is that player who is going to hold on and not make uh, the opposition feel the game is done and dusted because until he is there the game is still there for the english side is what he has proven yeah. uh, over and over again uh, in the la- in the 10 years of his career that has been and uh, Every day, uh, and with this specific innings, he just you know solidifies himself as the greatest all-rounder this generation has ever seen. Absolutely, and also one of your more astute uh, captains and fine exponents of baseball too. And an exponent of baseball reminds me of Johnny Bairstow right now. He had uh, rather a very controversial uh, dismissal. Uh, Alex Carey affected the same. And we've seen so much of discourse uh, around this dismissal on uh, social media. Many questioning uh, why this had to happen, bringing the whole spirit of the game into question, uh, laws being pulled up. So what are your two cents on uh, Alex Carey's, you know, presence of mind, or do you think it's not fair? How do you see it? Well, I guess it's just uh, at the end of the day, if it's in the rule book, you have to just follow. Yeah. And uh, if it's an out in the rule book, it is an out in the rule book. And uh, absolutely, there is no necessity of bringing spirit of the game and all that thing. Spirit of the game at the end of the day is a made-up thing. It mm-hmm. is for our concerns, our comforts of your of uh, human beings that. We try to bring in humanity and emotions out there when it comes to uh, spirit of the game and stuff. But at that current situation, Australians were uh, requiring a wicket. And uh, the opportunity that they got, they managed to make sure the, they get the best use of it. Mm-hmm. And it is not that we have seen this for the first time uh, uh, or something. Johnny Bairstow himself had done it in the 2019, <laughs> uh, one of the series in 2019 as well. Yeah. And Brendan Wickham, who happens to be the coach of the uh, English side, he did it back in 2009 itself and mm-hmm. one of the T20 matches where uh, Abato had pretty much uh, done the same thing. He, the, Paul, It was Paul Collingwood. It was against England. Mm-hmm. So pretty much uh, there have been history and examples of this happening and the batters being, uh, being given out. And when it has happened in history, just because it doesn't happen regularly doesn't mean that you spring out a controversy and try to talk about, uh, make a conversation of it when it is absolutely not required. Fair enough. And uh, even when you uh, do a post-mortem of the way England approached this chase, I think there were a lot of uh, questionable things. But if you had to put in perspective for our listeners, you know, as to what went wrong with uh, England, besides, you know, just trying to be reckless or doing the baseball thing way too much or Joe Root, you know, not quite uh, putting a price on his wicket with some not so clever batting at the time. How would you look at all of these variables? Well, certain situations, you expect your senior players to come up and do their stuff. You have lost your two wickets already and uh, you are uh, already chasing You are chasing that big target. For a player like Joe Root, he will be expected to play according to the situation. And uh, and also, if I'm not wrong, it was like the end of the day. It was not like they had a complete day altogether. All mm-hmm. The day was coming to an end and you had to just play a few overs and uh, make sure that the team was in a safe hand. But uh, still, they managed to go for their shots and uh, they ended up uh, losing the plot clearly. And the top order, the moment the top order falls, it is going to be tough for the middle order players to uh, do the job. And overall, if you ask me what the England problem was, it was just that uh, they didn't, uh, their intentions were clear. It Mm -hmm. was the execution that didn't work on perfectly. Right. And even when you look at the larger discourse around this match, I think short pitch deliveries uh, seem to be the jam <laughs> during this test. So what did you make of it? And did you get reminded of a past series like the Bodyline series? Or is it too much? <laughs> well, usage of short deliveries, as I said earlier in one of the questions, mm-hmm. the moment you try to get, you got a success uh, out there using short, short deliveries, you got a couple of players dismissed for short deliveries. And if any other thing is not working for you, 
you better go and utilize it to the full extent as possible. Something that is working, you better use it to the fullest uh, possible. And that is what they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, definitely uh, tough. It was uh, surprising to see so many short deliveries being bold. But I would say that uh, it was a good mind game once again. It was all. Mm-hmm. It's all about tactics and the way you strategize and make sure those uh, things are executed in the perfect manner. And bowling short deliveries was absolutely fine. And um, I don't have, for me personally, I felt, uh, you know, something was working for England and they mm-hmm. tried to make sure they use, they make the best use of it. And in the end, they got a target which was uh, achievable, uh, 371 uh, for their standards. Mm-hmm. And I guess the bowlers did, uh, uh, did their duty perfectly. Fair enough. I mean, in spite of everything we got to see, it was a great uh, test match contest, you know, really uh, making this format all the more exciting and so much to look forward to. It doesn't feel like a heavily one-sided dominated contest. It really, you know, uh, keeps all options open, which is how uh, a match should be. Now, you know, through the episode two, we have uh, discussed so much about this uh, second test. But going ahead, what do you think are some areas that uh, England can actually work on? Well, definitely they have to uh, bring that stability in their bowling attack where they have to have that confidence like if I'm playing this player, I'm playing this player for 100% and if that player is who is playing in your playing 11 is uh, giving that 100% out there and trying to make an impact because the first innings is absolutely the bowling lineup didn't turn up at all. And uh, the moment your, uh, your vehicle is expected to go at a speed of 120, and it is going at a speed of 80, you are definitely going to lose the race. And that is what happened for the English bowling attack in the first innings. And uh, it is, uh, in a way, if we see what they have decided for the third test match and the teams being announced already, Hmm. I feel that, uh, you know, English playing 11 is pretty much uh, uh, have made the the changes and it pretty much looks like uh, they are aware of what they want to. But I'm surprised that... uh, you know, Jimmy Anderson uh, being rested from the third test match is uh, is a different thing with, that we already, already discussed. Mm. But uh, removing Josh Dunn is a very surprising thing that I am uh, exactly. uh, getting to know here. And they have brought in Chris Wokes into the side and Mark Wood has come mm-hmm. into the side. And I guess Mark Wood's inclusion is the reason they might have uh, removed uh, uh, Josh Dunn because Josh Dunn is largely... A bowler who de- who depends on his pace and tries to get wicket, mm-hmm. uh, wickets and Oli Robinson is more like that frontline seamer for you who takes that makes the best usage of swing and he has shared the new ball with uh, with Stuart Broad in this uh, series earlier as well. So he will do that duties is what I I feel and they have brought in Chris Wokes into the side. So he just uh, he he not only gives you some overs with the ball he also gives you the depth in your batting as well at number at number 8 uh, number 9 position mm. so it is not just it is a good selection in the form of chris works and uh, mark wood uh, i don't remember these two playing uh, a test match in quite some time even mm. if they have played they might have played against the irish side i don't think so they haven't played a test match against a quality test uh, team so i'll be looking forward how these two players are going to come out and uh, perform Right. I mean, England is one side you'd certainly uh, not want to write off considering these are uh, their home conditions. But uh, through this episode also, we have spoken highly of Australia, the kind of strategies, their proactive approach. But what were some of the uh, shortcomings, you know, that you think Australia can actually take in their stride and work on going ahead in the next test? Well, uh, shortcomings, if you ask me, they, they now have to find a place for someone who can uh, live up to the expectations and the standards of Nathan Lyon. Hmm. And the and the team, if you see, is as well, it is just uh, Todd Murphy who is out there uh, to replace him. So he will be expected to be in the playing 11. And uh, apart from that, if you ask me how their batting approach has been, how is their thing has, uh, team performance has been earlier, I, I told you one thing that uh, this team has given roles for their players. And they are trying to fulfill that roles to the best way possible. Yeah. And until now, in the first two test matches, I have seen that role pretty much being fulfilled by the by the players because they have come out and done their duty. Like Warner giving those starts. I, w- I would like to see a 100 from Warner's and a big knock from Warner's in for sure. 
and usman kawaja has done a couple of uh, good innings out there that uh, he will like to continue and manas labishain is another player who is, who is getting those starts and not getting that big score in his name so and let let us hope that headingly is a place where players like wana manas labishain get some runs and mm-hmm. the rest of the side as well are doing their duties perfectly i like the way travis said comes out and plays his aggressive cricket i like the way Alex Carey is also pretty much following the same route as Travis mm-hmm. Head, uh, being that support to Steve Smith and other top order batters, and making sure that they hold on to one end, and in the other end they are making sure the scoreboard scoreboard is moving with their aggressive batting approach. So batting wise, I don't have um, I I feel that they are they have pretty much checked all their boxes. Bowling end, it is going to be a big shoes that needs to be filled in the form of Nathan Lyon. and uh, it we felt it in the fourth innings as well imagine nathan line in the f- uh, in the day five wicket against english mm. side i would have i would definitely feel that uh, england would have come so close and lost the match by just 43 runs it would have been a way bigger margin and uh, and to find a player of that caliber and expect todd murphy to do that uh, let us see what he does because he has a seven mm-hmm. for uh, in his name against india Yeah. So he has uh, he did well in the BGT series where he debuted and uh, performed. Let us hope that uh, the English conditions also he is able to adapt to it and uh, mm-hmm. find some success there. I mean, nevertheless, it's going to be a tall ask from uh, Todd Murphy, but it will be interesting to see how he uh, fares in this test because he seems like the more uh, likely replacement that Australia would want to opt for. And uh, as we reach the conclusion of our episode two, do you have a prediction on how the rest of the series will pan out? Do you expect England to, you know, fight back, claw their way back into the series, make it two all, uh, making that fifth test all the more exciting, or do you just expect like an Aussie sweep in the third test? and then almost you know impossible for uh, england to make a comeback well uh, one thing uh, we are the match is happening in leeds in headingley mm-hmm. so definitely the 2019 match is going to be running in their heads and especially australian side with the uh, with what happened in headingley last time that they were there with the uh, ben stokes heroics mm-hmm. they would like to you know rewrite it and make sure that uh, a positive uh, thing is return when it comes to australia's performance in leeds because if you remember the first test match that they played in nottingham it, they pretty much rewrote what they did, what they had undergone in 2005 yeah. where they had a similar 281 runs target and they had lost that test match by two runs and uh, they made sure to rewrite that by winning the first test match in nottingham chasing the same target of 281 mm-hmm. so in a similar way they will be trying to rewrite the history of what had happened and erase it off the two, the 2019 one but uh, on the other hand english uh, the england side uh, their backs are against the wall and they want to just uh, come out and do their stuff i will just expect them to play their baseball game natural game out there Hmm. and try to get a result out of it and uh, make that uh, statement that this is not some wild thing that we are uh, making uh, making something out of it is hmm. a thing that has factual uh, support and also can make sense and it is going to be a mouth watering contest for sure and in a way you know if the test match goes in england's way it is open doors if it is uh, if it goes in australia's way it is door shut but mm-hmm. me being an australian side i would love to see australia win this test match and i would like to see how todd murphy does uh, if he is in the playing 11 i would love to see how he performs yeah i mean any ashes test really lives up to uh, the billing of being that fantastic uh, contest and this third test will really set the context of how uh, you know even the rest of the series will uh, pan out because it really is advantage for both sides if they win uh, as you said you know it opens the doors of opportunity for england and uh, on the other hand gives a chance for australia to assert their dominance so a lot to look forward to and uh, do you have you know any final thoughts or a message for our listeners well uh, i would just say that uh, this specific platform that you are running it is going on very well and with the amount of consistency that you are putting out content and trying out uh, to bring in different mindsets and different opinions all together with different guests like me and others hmm. uh, i will just say to all the listeners to continue listening and supporting you and overall you are presenting cricket in a fashion that uh, gives an opportunity to fans and experts like me to showcase uh, my thoughts and opinions and i will say that uh, 
make sure that you make this uh, the, to the listeners i'm saying that you you make sure that this specific podcast uh, never on the back foot as a as a weekly listening thing where she is always making sure to upload at least one episode per week you you try to bring that habit to your life also by listening to her episodes weekly once when it is out and uh, just support this uh, amazing in- initiative that you have taken over 200 episodes you have done with uh, consistency and i just wish you all the best and uh, lots and lots of uh, listeners and viewers for you in this uh, amazing uh, initiative that you have taken thank you so much dhanush that's really uh, kind words and here's hoping you know i can have you back on the podcast but thank you so much for joining me on this episode sharing some lovely insights from both sides although you're a aussie fan you know you were really able to bring perspectives from both ends which i'm sure is going to be super uh, intuitive for our uh, listeners as well and uh, until next time stay safe and take care thank you thank you so much cheers last but not the least thank you so much listeners for tuning into this episode and for your unstinted support please follow and press the bell icon on spotify and subscribe to the podcast on google podcasts for the latest episode updates and stay tuned do check out @never_in_the_back_foot on instagram and @never_in_the_back_1 on twitter for the latest facts terminology retweets fresh tweets and a lot more that's coming up this cricket season just for you The podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast and a lot of other platforms. So please do spread the word. Until next time, stay safe and take care listeners. Bye for now.